Hi, welcome to the Sacred You podcast. I'm Rachel Goodwin and I'm a channel and healer who loves to teach and empower others. I offer a look at spirituality in fresh and new ways and you can see more of my work at my website at rachelgoodwin.dk and the classes and sessions that I do. Ahu heia valea noi e kahaliku puakukui kuhia ho kanaia akapu kumoni nei pikui kahima no ikapili. Hi everybody, today I'm talking to Brent Satterfield about his new book, Bringing Heaven Home, and to Dana Parker, who together with Brent is setting up the Inner World Movement. So this is such a cool podcast and I can't wait to hear everybody's feedback and if you enjoyed it just as much as I did. I'm going to read you out Brent's bio, I'm going to read you the whole thing because it is really fascinating. Brent is a DNA scientist who was recently instrumental in the development of COVID-19 tests in the United States, but his most recent efforts have shifted to self-publishing Bringing Heaven Home. Brent shares his true story in multiple encounters with heaven as he is led by Jesus to see how much bigger heaven is than anything he was ever taught or imagined. Following his encounters with the supernatural, Brent became a student of consciousness, faith and experiences of God in cultures around the world. He's achieved mastery level in matrix energetics, theta healing, Reiki and other modalities in addition to studying with Native Americans, Hindu miracle workers and Christian street healers. Brent is now a second time author. His first book, Faith to Produce Miracles, is currently available for purchase on Amazon along with Bringing Heaven Home. Brent is a co-founder of the Inner World Movement and is excited to begin developing online courses and gathering a community of like-minded individuals. And then we have Dana. And Dana is the voice of the Inner World Movement. She's a highly qualified life coach with over a decade of experience in coaching thousands of clients all over the world. She specialises in navigating life change with emotional intelligence. I can tell you the interview in these two, we had so much fun. So enjoy everybody. Hi, welcome everybody to another episode of Sacred Jew. And today I am talking to Brent Satterfield and Dana Parker. Welcome, welcome. 
Thank, Thank you. you. How how's the weather over there? I like, I'm British. I like to talk about the weather. It's freezing. It's very snowy and icy right now. Yeah. I, I had to drive um, across town to be here with Dana so that we could we could do this together. Um, and yeah, very cold, very icy. <laughs> okay, so exactly where are you in the States? We're in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, now, I mean, you know, that's a place I've seen a lot of pictures of, and it looks really, really beautiful. It is. It definitely is. There's a lot of beauty here with the mountains and everything. Yeah. And are you a long way from the sea, there? From the sea? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know hours. you know. I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is my this is my geography. This is my you know. I was just talking to the last person about this on the last podcast. But America's a big place. <laughs> like, <laughs> I grew up in Florida on the beach, and so yeah, Utah is a long way from the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm in Denmark, and I'm very close to the ocean. There's a fjord just five minutes down the hill from where I live. So it's like we have high humidity here, yeah. and. Um, Weather this time of year is how it is today, which is just like gray, <laughs> cloud gray, damp gray. So that's another reason why I like to do the podcast because I get to come and have like happy conversations on here instead of looking at the grayness out there. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. So we're going to talk about your book today, Brent, Bringing Heaven Home. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to just give us a little outline? Because I haven't, I have, it's not actually out yet, is it? I've read the prologue. I haven't read the whole thing. It's out now. Um, I think at the time that we reached out to you, it wasn't out yet. And then uh, last week, uh, actually it was on January 14th on my birthday, we went ahead and launched it. <laughs> Yay! Oh, cool. Congratulations. So it is out on Amazon. Um, but uh the book discusses a series of experiences I had with heaven and I come out of a conservative Christian background. And, you know, at the time I, I had not been exposed to many other people's um, experiences of heaven, whether in near death experiences or spontaneous out of body experiences. I, it just, my understanding of things came out of uh, just out of the Bible. And so to start having these experiences, it really opened my mind to seeing how much more there is than what I'd been taught growing up. And because I didn't just have one experience, I had multiple. It's like the door kept opening wider and wider to see more and more. And it just has been a beautiful journey. And so I, I share that journey in the book, um, not just the experiences, but this ongoing unfolding of the soul as uh, you know, an individual goes from a very conservative viewpoint into a much more expansive, open, accepting state of being. Yeah, and that's that's um, that's a really interesting journey to hear about because I know there's a, a a lot of people who are kind of living in that. I suppose I would say, like, I imagine it like four corners, like a box with that kind of like rigid thinking and you know it's like how do you move from that because it seems to be very difficult for people to shift 
out of that kind of, of, of rigid thinking. But, you know, you're, you're somebody who the universe decided they were going to keep giving you experiences, perhaps, until you did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it feels a little bit like the, the mother bird kicking the baby birds out of the nest. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you have an experience like that. You can't come back to life seeing it the same. So. Well, t- tell us tell us a bit about it, because I'm sure people are like, what, what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> oh, um. I think everybody's journey in that regard is a little bit unique. And mine, uh, it opens up with me running into a woman who had four near-death experiences, the first one in a plane crash. And and so each subsequent one she had um, due to complications of her plane crash. And she she came back from her experiences with a, a gift to help people have the equivalent of a near-death experience without having to die. And so um, it wasn't something she she did for people very often, but it was something that she felt very strongly like I was supposed to experience. And so she opened up to me, shared with me um, that I was, I was supposed to, uh, that heaven wanted to talk to me. <laughs> and so... Uh, at the time, I had, I, th- I think most of my adult life, I had been very interested in this idea that maybe we could have a real connection with Jesus in this life. Not just like a, wow, I feel good in my heart, but actually see him, talk to him, commune with him. And so almost my whole adult life has been centered around this idea of, gosh, I really want that experience. I want to have that. And so when she offered this to me, it felt like, a kind of a confirmation of something I'd been searching for my whole adult life. Um, and that's kind of, it's where it opened up is that she opened that door for me. And then there were a series of subsequent experiences that happened without somebody facilitating. Um, one of which, you know, um, I spent several hours on the other side and it's just the, the experiences, the feelings, um, they're unlike anything that I had found descriptions for in my religious experience. And it just, it opened up a, a whole new, a whole, a whole new world for me. Wow. I can, and I can hear, I can hear the depths of it as you're, speaking you know this is still you know very much like you're feeling it as as you're talking about it it's not something that's just become a story because you've told it like 25 times before you know it's like can really feel the depth of that experience it sounds incredible can I I just want to add a little bit because we we went through the book together and and Brent actually uh you know, we went through different parts, uh, as, as our, uh, some friends of ours and as a team and you can feel like the way that it's described, the way that his experiences happened, there were moments where I was 
in complete joy and felt the, the excitement of the moment as he described it. And there are other moments that I just sobbed because there was so much that I had been getting in my personal life as, as I had been moving through my spiritual journey that I could relate to that felt so like I could connect to it. And it's, it's beautiful because his, the translation of he fills it now is, is in the book as you read it. So that's probably one of my most favorite things about the book is, is the feelings that you get as you read those experiences are just, if you have an open heart and go in with that, that wanting to have that emotion, it's there. So. I love doing this with Dana because she, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was like a thermometer the whole time as we we're reading through and she's like laughing or crying. And, and it was such a beautiful visual and emotional gauge of, okay, this was communicated effectively. And one of the things that I love doing is playing with words. And so the whole task of going into that, that heavenly space, experiencing something that, that humankind just doesn't have words for, and then trying to find a way to communicate it. Uh, it's been a whole lot of fun to to take those words and really condense them. And, and if I have any critique for like a lot of the other uh, near-death experiences that I've read, it's that the authors just didn't have the capacity to express what they were feeling. And, and you had to be very empathic to really kind of step into their space and say, oh, wow, I can feel that, you know, but, but the words really didn't carry you there, didn't open the door And so I have spent a lot of time the past four years just working with different ways of communicating, expressing, trying to capture the essence of what the feeling is there. And then to paint, you know, a really good description over a series of these uh, experiences with heaven. That is one thing I wondered when I was reading the prologue, actually, but didn't know the answer to because I didn't have the whole book to look at. But I was wondering if you had a ghostwriter to help you write it because it is beautifully written. You're a really, really good writer. <laughs> he does have a gift. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time studying other um, forms of writing and, and the ones that I liked and just tried to look at what are the elements that, uh, that make it not just educational, but entertaining that, that help um, grip a reader and bring them into it. And I love to color with words mm-hmm. like a, using a paintbrush. It mm-hmm. just, it's a lot of fun for me and Dana really helped me to see where I was affected with that and where it still needed some more work. Um, like she said, we had a group of friends and just watching each of their expressions and, and the depth of connection to their personal experiences in, in their own journeys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've done a, you've done a really good job there. Right. So well done. <laughs> so how did you two meet each other? How do you know each other? Uh, Dan and I met uh, probably, I guess it was five years ago. Yeah, briefly. And I think you mentioned that you've, um, you were trained in Reiki and mm-hmm. some other things. And so Dan and I also share some similar elements in our journey. And we met at one of those conferences about five years ago. And, you know, there's certain people that you run into that their, their life story, that the lessons that they've learned so effectively mirror your own. Mm-hmm that you just form an instant bond. And um, we have found so much commonality, not only in the the life lessons we've had, but in the way that we see life, the way that uh, we want to contribute to life, Mm -hmm. that ongoing expansion, just not for ourselves, but uh, 
in connection with others around us that we just thought we don't know what we're doing, but, but let's just hang out together and, <laughs> and see how this energy unfolds. Mm. Wow. So Reiki and healing, and you have come a long way from a more traditional church. For sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> Yeah, we met brief, briefly a couple years ago and then recently reconnected and we've had some neat experiences along the way. But as we came back together, we realized that we have this similar vision of, of what it is we want to bring to the world, what it is that we want to offer, what it is that we want to create here in the forms of, of healing and helping people and um, helping people move and uh raise their vibration and, and move through old stories and old patterns. You know, earlier in the, the, the session, you asked, you know, what does it actually take for someone to transition from the box to a more broad perspective? And that's, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to help people with. You know, it's, it's really about helping people understand and see um, where they're, they're holding on to, those places and spaces out of fear, mm. you know, those mm. are some of the things that we're finding uh, that when you're holding on out of fear, there's some things to look at, some things to move through, you know, mm. it's a transition and the understanding of what spirituality is <clears throat> for so many generations in this world. Spirituality has meant, you know, hanging on to uh, the traditions of the past and no one has really ever taken the time, at least not in Western culture, to look at what are the mechanisms inside of us <clears throat> that, that cause, <clears throat> excuse me, that cause people to hold on to those traditions. And for me, being in that heavenly space, <clears throat> the first thing I noticed is that there was no judgment. And that, that was such a huge contrast with everything that my life had been built on up to that point in time. And so it couldn't help but unravel the whole system for me and say, wait a minute, None of this that's built on judgment or fear of God is, is connected with reality. This is an experience we're having here in mortality, and it's a very interesting experience. But the process of waking up, of going from a mortal state where we are suffering and feel like there's something missing into a heavenly state where we feel that connection with the divine, with each other, with, with life itself, um, that process of waking up is acknowledging the fears that have held us back. And then rather than holding on to them and calling that faith, it's acknowledging them and letting them go, exchanging those fears for healing and for love in a way that not only raises us, but raises the world around us. This is a collective effort. This is a human effort where each one of us, our respective cultures, our respective paths, or are coming face to face with the fears that have bound our ancestors and the world around us for generations. And, and so it is a beautiful work, um, both on an individual level and on a, on a global level. And you want to know the really interesting part to me is, is as we let people, as we teach them how to let go of the fear, they actually can choose in to a more broad, open perspective, maybe I'm just spiritual, or they can choose in authentically to their religion and live it in a whole new way where it's true to them, yeah. true to their hearts, true to, to what they want to experience. And they start experiencing their religion in a whole new aspect of life with 
actual faith and love and this presence and understanding in their own personal connection, which to me is even a more empowering experience. We're not here to tell people to leave their religion or to leave certain paths that they're walking. It's, are you choosing it out of an authentic space? Are you choosing it wholeheartedly because you want that experience as a human and your soul wants to experience that religion? Or are you doing it because it's what you've been taught and told and trained and educated is the right way? So there's a very different feeling with both of them. That's probably my most favorite part is we're, we're helping people honor themselves in a way where there's so much uh, heart and truth to this is what I want in my life. This is what I want to experience. And I'm going to wholeheartedly experience all of it. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. And um, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, so, you know, we, we started having a bit of a chat about, you know, and I was saying about that that rigid kind of like brick wall thinking and how do people get out of that? And I was thinking sort of, yeah, about people who are growing up in a religion, but but also, you know, I was thinking about, so, you know, I said I grew up in England and, and now I live in Denmark. And in England, um, very small percentage of the population go to church or are religious um, my mother was a, a, a lapsed Catholic. She lost her faith when her first husband died. and She was pregnant with my sister. She was just like, that's it. I'm done with God. I'm not having any of it. And then I was baptized Church of England because she was Catholic, my mum. And the Church of England is a Protestant church. It, it almost doesn't seem to believe in anything. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so sort of rash, it rationalizes everything. And, and you know, it was like, oh, well, yeah, you know, the questions about Jesus dying on the cross and ascending, they were like, yes, well, it didn't really happen like that. And, you know, and they would sort of come out with sort of intellectual sounding things about it. So it is almost like all the spirituality, as I would call it, was taken out of it. And um, because I there's certain churches that I love going to because I love like sacred places on the earth, which yeah. can be places in nature or but it can also be places where churches are built. Yes. And the church where I was christened, I went there like not that long ago because I'm really sensitive to energy now. You know, anywhere I go, I'm like I can read all the energies uh-huh. and you know because like over the years it's just got more and more good that sense of mind. And the church I was baptized in, there's nothing. There's just not the energy. Is, it's not bad. It's not neutral. It's just neutral. It's, yeah. it's just not anything at all. And I was just like, wow, how did they work so hard that they've managed to leave God or the divine or goddess or whatever you want to call it out right. of the church completely? And yeah. so, and so. And here in Denmark, it's the same. A very small percentage of people go to the church as a service, although a lot of people pay their church taxes because they have church taxes here. And the church is very, very well funded. And people still, as a culture, a lot of them get baptised in the church. They have a confirmation in a Protestant church and they get buried (laughs) in the church, but they don't actually go as a whole or have any you know religious faith and it and and again it's a very sort of a rationalistic like oh like Jesus 
oh, you know, it's like a dirty word, you know, kind of right. saying that. And it's 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 another box. I mean, it is, you know, the two things that sort of that, you know, going to a church and just believing in like everything in this Bible is true and that's what I'm going to believe. And then the other thing is like, no, we can't believe anything at all. They're right. two, two, two sides of the same coin, I think. I've never actually seen yeah. it that, that clearly before. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, my breakthrough was, yeah, when my, when my mum died because that just kind of blew my energy body apart. And I realized that I could sense spirit and have conversations with it. And yes. then, you know, it never it never stopped. But I was in the I was in the rigid box of the rationalism. I mean, my dad used to believe that um all war he used to say he's dead now, but you know, all wars cause religion uh, religion causes all wars and you know, I was brought up listening to this stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I agree. I think there's something to it. The, the beautiful part is the boxes teach us, you know, you can jump into a box for a little bit and learn so much. If you have the right questions, the right, the right frame of mind, as you jump into those boxes, it's like the, like your box is so beautiful. And there's so much that we could even sit and just learn from you in that box, you know, on both sides of the, the spectrum, we can learn so much of the people in the box who are like, this is all true. This is all not true. There's so much that we can gain from all these different perspectives. And I think that's the beautiful thing about all of us having different experiences and, and presenting them and saying, here's my experiences and here's mine. We can learn different things from each other in a beautiful way and start authentically choosing, you know, do I want to have that experience? I love when people share things with me because I'm like, ooh, do I want to have that experience? That, that might be fun. Who knows? Let, let, me, let me go play with that for a minute, you know, or, or let me try, ooh, that one. I don't think I want to have that experience, but I'm, I'm grateful for you sharing. And I totally honor and respect that you had that journey, but I don't think I'm interested. It's such a beautiful way to kind of gauge your experiences too. And, and every path, every box, it's like, if we can see the value of every soul's experience, it connects us all. Yeah, absolutely. I completely second that 150 yeah <laughs> so a, a lot of the people who listen to the sacred you podcast they are people who have many years experience of healing and you know clairvoyance or shamans or you know whatever um and I, and I think a lot of people would agree with me that sort of at the beginning of their journey and where they are now are probably two quite different points and the way they see the world are two quite different points because we're not brought up to expect to be having conversations with Mother Mary or Mary Magdalene or, or <laughs> Jesus or Kuan Yin or, you know, whoever. And yet people find that as they move along their path, quite often they do. Mm-hmm. Is there something you want to say about that? I think I was just as much surprised as anybody else. <laughs> um, and I think part of it too, you know, coming out of a conservative Christian mentality, there, there tends to be an authoritarian uh, system of, well, if anybody's going to be seeing anything, it's going to be somebody at the top of the hierarchy. <laughs> and then 
<clears throat> so there's an assumption that goes with it that if you do see something that that uh, <laughs> you've got it all figured out, and then just the, the realization over time after having enough of these. <laughs> so after having enough of these experiences that um, you don't have it all figured out, <clears throat> that there's still more, that no matter how much you've seen, that you're still in a box. It's a bigger box, but the boundaries are just as invisible as they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. And the question becomes, how do we start orienting our learning to where we can be open to what we have not yet seen, what we've not yet heard, what we've not yet experienced. <clears throat> and, and instead of just making a new religion out of our new learning, it's like, and so that's been a really big focus of mine is how do we transform the way that we see ourselves and the world around us to, to start opening to the future, to have our eye on what is yet to come rather than being limited by yesterday's experiences. I mean, that, that's how all religions come is, is that somebody had an experience, they saw something, and then there becomes an attachment to those experiences as if there can be no more, nothing better, or, you know, everything to be understood has now been understood. You know, whether that's an experience with Mary Magdalene or with Jesus or, you know, an experience of enlightenment, you know, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about Eastern religious experiences or Western. Um, there does tend to be an, a, a limitation in people's minds that the experience they have almost blinds them to further experience. So the question is, how do we allow our spiritual experiences not to blind us, but to create a state of openness that anticipates even more understanding that is beyond what we just received. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is it is a tricky one. I mean, I guess like with me, um, because I didn't believe in anything, and and I still would say I'm not a person who believes in things. I take my truth as what I experience in that moment I'm not a great believer of, of anything um, and I still have that skepticism that I, I used to have but I'm quite fortunate that I am so empathic and sensitive I can constantly be tuning in for that truth so you know in a, in a way I've, I've had it a bit easier I guess if I didn't have that, I'm, I don't know where, I don't know where I'd be now. I'd probably be, to be honest, I'd probably be a psychoanalyst because that is where my career path was taking me. Um, and I'd be facil facilitating group therapy sessions ah. now. And, and I don't think spirituality would, would be much in there, but um, yeah, that is, it's a thing, isn't it? Because like, when you have a deep experience like that, the ego sort of gets hold of it and then does all this stuff to it, doesn't it? It's like It does. Right. And then we start projecting that that is the way and that's how everyone should experience it. And I think one of the things we feel really passionate about is this was my experience and this is my learning, but it, just because it's my my path, my experience doesn't mean it has to be everyone's. It doesn't mean it is best for everyone. You know, my way of spirituality is is very much will be different than yours. There might be similar uh, threads that will will sew together and similar themes. Um, 
but overall, I'm not pushing any of my experiences on you. Like you have to learn these things or live these things. It's an invitation of, Hey, what do you want? What does your heart want? And that's kind of how I structured things after I left the religious box of Mormonism. I mean, I was really in the box (laughs) and, and I was the all in believer and leaving that for me, it was like, how, how do I do this now? And it became about joy what, what fills my heart with joy? What ideas do I just love? And that's where I started to rebuild is from that heart space of joy and magic and what parts of it. I'm like you, I I don't hold on to anything as like, this is the truth. It's like this idea actually makes my heart sing. And that's why I love it. That's why I'm choosing into the idea of it. That's why I connect there. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I love about this is just that freedom to, to choose. I just had a thought then as you were speaking, I was thinking, yeah, but I was brought up not to believe in anything. <laughs> so in a way, you know, that comes, that comes very easily to me, but I kind of <laughs> do sessions and I do groups and, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm connecting up to spirit to bring spirit through. So I'm constantly confronted with the reality of them. Mm. <laughs> so uh, to me, they're a, they're a real living thing. You know, they're just on a different vibration. They don't have a physical body. Right. But to me, a person is like a spirit that's got a body. And then yeah. all the other things I connect with, you know, I can feel all their energy. They're completely real. I can feel their energy. Just like I can feel your energy. Mm. So it's like I don't have to believe in it because I it's a it's a it's a direct experience for me mm-hmm. and yeah. um I think uh, so many more people are, are having this experience now and yet we're still kind of on the fringes of society and you know in in most parts of our culture we will be dismissed as loonies or <laughs> mentally unstable or you know, yeah. whatever. I'm very careful about how I describe myself to other people that, right. are, that aren't spiritual, you know? Right. Yes. That's, yeah, I think that's part of the unraveling for cult- culturally. It's part of the unraveling is, is when we hold that space of respect and stand in our power with those ideas and, and we feel confident with our spirituality and, and those experiences and we invite others to have that same type of respect, just like there, there's room for the logical and the, the this all makes sense here logically. And there's room for this too, the spiritual aspect of things, the what my, my friends or my family would call woo-woo, the woo-woo part of things. <laughs> you know, there's room for all of it. There's beauty in all of it. And, you know, I have respect for you and I ask for that same respect back these are these are real things for me so I think it's it's a powerful thing more of us are waking up to those gifts more of us are standing in our power at that and saying no this has a place here and it's important it's important that we hold that space yes I love absolutely. it yeah so I wanted to ask you Brent you mentioned um that when you were kind of on in heaven on the other side as it were, um, that Jesus was there? 
Would, yes. you, would you tell us a, a bit of a story about that? Because I would just love to feel the energy from it. <laughs> so I've had a, a couple of different experiences with him. And the, you know, coming from my background, the idea of seeing Jesus is just, it's this overwhelming concept of, wow, like if you could ever be there, that would be the most wonderful and most beautiful thing. I mean, so so for somebody from a Christian background, that is just, it, it's not just coming into the presence of a teacher, it's coming into the presence of God. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thought. Um, my experience experience of that was every bit of that Christian perception, but so much more, so much more, because um, what he represented in my experience, it, it wasn't this Christian conception of somebody who might judge you or ever cast you out or look on you with any degree of disappointment. Instead, it was like, and, and it wasn't like meeting somebody that, you know, we, we read about who's famous and you, you meet them and you're like, oh, wow, I met this famous person and there's no real connection. Um, it was like coming into the presence of somebody who knew me better than me, um, who was more family than any family I've ever had in this world. Uh, that somebody whose very presence gives you permission to feel a level of love that is incomprehensible. Uh, you know, it is, it is such a feeling of joy that there was a sensation inside of me that if my body had been present, that it would have, it would have died. Like it could not handle the amount of joy and the amount of love that I was experiencing having him look into my eyes. Um, and, the degree, and it's, it's like a, I hate even using the word love because every connotation we have with that word here, none of it really fits. Whether you're talking about romantic love or parental love or any of these things, all of those types of love come with like conditions and boundaries and just certain understandings. But in that heavenly space, that love was liberating. It was a sense of being released from every chain that is upon the heart so that there was an experience of joy, of euphoria, of understanding, like every experience in life suddenly makes sense. And it's not even that, it's, it's not like there's this, I mean, there is a dialogue that's taking place. There is talking, but, but that isn't the major part of the communication that's happening. There is a spiritual transmission and understanding that allows your mind to expand and to understand all types of different conversations in parallel, almost like lifetimes of experience happening all in a single moment. Um, and each one of those calculated to make sense of the, the experience of life, like the hardest moments, the most difficult moments, the, um, the, the places that you wish, oh my gosh, I wish I could have made a different decision. <laughs> like so much shame or so much like heartache or guilt. And to be able to see those with new eyes and say, oh, I get it now. And that was the most beautiful gift in my life um, because there is this contrast of somehow that really heavy emotion, whether it's heartache or, or guilt or whatever it is, um, that 
it forms the contrast. It almost forms like the basis for being able to experience a divine joy there that is without measure. And so instead of seeing it with so much negativity, I hate that this happened. It becomes a reverence, just an absolute, this was beautiful. Um, and so my experience of Jesus was, it wasn't just meeting somebody. It was, it was sacredness. It was like, my heart coming apart at the seams because of the joy that I was having, the beauty of it, um, the love of that experience. And there were so much more layers to him than what I had come to associate with him in scripture. You know, the, the Bible talks about Jesus weeping, but it never talks about him laughing. And I found his humor to be the most healing thing that I've ever known or experienced. Um, the sound of his laughter, the feeling of it. Oh, so amazing. So beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and like to hear, to hear you talking about it. And I think I remember when I was reading it, it was, I mean, you know, the, the woman that helped you make this connection initially it was like you were physically there. You managed to like have that connection again to such a deep layer. I mean, that is, that is really incredible. So one of the things that in my second experience, um, I, I was there for several hours. And like I said, I mean, even just in a moment, there's like these lifetimes of, of information and understanding that just open up. Um, and in the second experience, uh, he was talking to me, showing me the transition of the earth. And this is something that, you know, conservative Christians are really focused on a lot. You know, this whole idea that there's going to be some kind of apocalyptic scenario. Um, and he was like showing me the mechanism of how the earth transitions into this higher state. And the beautiful thing about it is that none of it had anything to do with those apocalyptic scriptures. And there was this understanding throughout that um, the transition is meant to be joyful. It's our resistance that makes it less fun. It's, it's the resistance. It's kind of like a woman giving birth to a child and, um, you know, I have several children and the first experience of childbirth, my wife was like screaming for 17 hours straight. It was just horrible. And it turns out that when a female's body goes into resistance, it shuts down the childbirthing process and makes it so much harder. So we learned hypnobirthing and, and I learned how to put her into a state of hypnosis and she slept through the second one. Um, I mean, completely slept. I took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and no, no um, pain medication or anything and just slept through the whole thing. Um, it wasn't until later that I learned that we were still getting ripped off with hypnobirthing and sleeping through it. There's something called orgasmic birthing where <laughs> the degree of stretch actually can, can contribute to a, an immense amount of joy. And so I kind of think about the transition of the earth in that way is that there are these different levels of experiencing the transition <laughs> And 
we can experience it in a way that's very euphoric. I mean, even like in the present pandemic, uh, I know a lot of people have been very stressed and very worried and very concerned. Um, but there is another layer in our being that if we're connected to it, the changes in the world around us don't have to be scary. They can actually be beautiful. They can be wonderful because we can sense that everything is moving in order to give us a new experience, in order to give us um, the experience of greater joy. And so to the extent that we aren't identifying with the world that's falling apart, but rather with the world that's being born, um, there is joy. But he showed me how how this process of transition occurs. And, and coming out of a Christian mindset, I always thought like, you know, God was sitting up on the throne somewhere and was like, all right, today's the day it's happening. And all these bad people are going to burn and all these good people are going to be, you know, like made into something beautiful. And, um, and that wasn't what I saw at all. He was showing me that there is a consciousness that's interconnected throughout the world and that, each of us, we're like plugged into that consciousness. And we kind of think, well, these are my thoughts, not recognizing we're just plugged into a, a global consciousness. And that the consciousness itself, um, it, it's, it's a, it creates the veil that separates us from the experience of God right now. Not that we, not that we, it, it's this, it's a very different feeling than what I had coming up in the conservative Christian mindset where there's this thought of, I am a fallen person and I can't see God. And this state is terrible and it's awful. And only once I'm brought into God's presence, will I finally be worthy and redeemed and everything else. And then recognizing, no, that whole concept is illusion. Um, We currently have access to all of the experiences I've talked about and more, all of these experiences, divine love, divine joy, radiance in this moment. However, there are certain thoughts that are part of our bodies that, <laughs> that create a different reality for us. This whole idea <clears throat> biblically that we're created in the image of God, it's more literal than I think people realize. It's, it's not that God looks like us, like a person who's limited with all these jealous emotions and angry emotions, and we personify God too much. It's more that we look like God, and that we haven't yet realized how to wake up from our contracted state of judgment, of fear, of pain, of all these things, to where our heart opens, blossoms, and then feels the radiance of heaven now in this body. And that's what we're doing individually. I mean, I'm sure uh, a lot of the people in your listening to your podcast are in that number who are, are kind of learning about themselves, opening their hearts. But but globally, we are doing this. In all of our cultures, there are people who are beginning to go through this process and open their hearts. And what I saw is that every person who is going through that process of transforming their inner space, they're contributing to the loosening of the knot globally loosening of the knot that prevents us from feeling God's love right now in such a way that when the whole thing comes down, everybody who's left on the earth is raised up to experience an explosion of joy. I mean, a literal explosion of of such a magnitude Mm -hmm. that it can't be comprehended right now. Um, 
And so we are moving the world into a higher state. And if, if we can plug into that feeling, to feel the peace, to feel the rest, to let go of some of that fear, then we're actually contributing to that transformation. And things like the current pandemic, they don't have to be scary. They can actually just be one external witness that this transition is happening in a beautiful way. And in fact, we can see our lives get better through these moments. So even while the rest of the world is kind of in a state of resistance and going through some some fear or anxiety, we can be using all of this to move into even greater peace, deeper connection, and more love. Oh, it's just wonderful listening to you, Brent. <laughs> have you thought? Have you thought the the two of you about doing a monthly show or a weekly show or something? No, seriously, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I mean, you should you should do it. I mean, really, we we want to listen to you. Ah, thank you. It is in the works. It is, and I I am such an incredibly shy person by nature. <laughs> I am, I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not. <laughs> Dana's not at all. <laughs> and she and others who are associated with this inner world, world movement have been helping me to step out of my shyness and said, look, you need to do this. Step out there, <laughs> share what you've seen. And so we're taking those steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because because I bet somewhere inside you, Brent, there's a burning desire to express yourself really deep down, isn't there? <laughs> no? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm quite introverted as as well, surprisingly. But but introverted people are often the people who are up on the stage speaking <laughs> because they're speaking about their inner inner world and they and they need to express it. But then they go away and they're quiet. They're quite quiet. They're not necessarily the loudest person at the the party. But um, I used to be a hypnotherapist, actually. After I left psychiatric nursing, I trained as a hypnotherapist and a, and a healer. And I did used to, t- I have taught some people, some women, hypnobirthing. But um, it, it was, that was one of my frustrations that I couldn't use these things as a psychiatric nurse. I had to leave the National Health Service, where, you know, it was mainly using, I mean, we did use to do a lot of talking stuff, but but on the whole, it was drugs and, you know, the environment using to restrain people. And it's a really difficult system to work in. So, you know, it would be wonderful we could integrate these things more, but it seems that we have to build things by the side of the current structures rather than, you know, which is what, which is what we're doing, isn't it? I mean, you're right. Yeah. For now. Yeah. <laughs> For now. For now. But, but in the end, I think the old structures will just crumble in the end. And then there will be these, these new ones. That have, you yes. Know, a lot of people haven't. I mean, when meditation started to become a thing, I don't know, <laughs> 20, 25 years ago, it was like considered really like fringe and mad and and now you know doctors people go and see their doctor and they say have you thought about doing a meditation course have you thought about right. doing tai chi i mean it's it's become yeah. mainstream uh-huh to it, a lot of people yeah it takes people like us doing what we're doing yes in order for the rest of the world <clears throat> to follow but, yes but, I mean, I'm, I'm a scientist. <clears throat> and so I've 
really enjoyed looking at the, the change in medical literature, even like, like you're saying on the subject of meditation, looking at the number of genes that are activated or that are suppressed based off of meditation. And I think it's like more than 10,000 different genes in the human body that change the amount of expression based off of meditating, where you get so much more um, healing taking place as a result of it. And, you know, suppression of the genes that contribute to cancer and other things. And so it's a, a very <laughs> tangible way of measuring the effect on the human body of doing a spiritual practice. Do you talk about something like that in your book? I'm sure I remember some reference to, to DNA. Is that right? Yes. So I am a DNA scientist. And I don't talk a lot about the science in my book. I do. I mean, it forms the context because I tell a bit of my story and, and some of the things that go into making me the way that I am. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of my background. I'm a DNA scientist. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, my God. So how are you sort of, you so say you've got the book. And you've created the um, inner world movement. Where where are you wanting to go with that then? So, the my view of things has changed so much as a result of these experiences. I used to be very left brained, masculine driven. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to change the world by. And, and as as a DNA scientist, I was also a CEO of, of uh, companies that were you know, uh, impacting global health. And there's this sense of, I'm going to change the world by building technology and helping people in poor countries. And, and so getting up every day and being driven and um, the experience that I've had on the other side is a lot more feminine in nature. This understanding that as we release drive, that there is a divine influence that comes in and helps make our, um, desires happen for us, a manifestation. And, and it's such an interesting thing to me because I, you know, coming out of this Christian narrative of like very familiar with like prayer and other things, but manifestation was foreign to me, but that's what Jesus was teaching me. He was showing me how um, the light works. He was just showing me this light that's in our hearts, that's in everything. And he was showing me how, when we put the, the feeling or desire in our heart, it goes out into the light and brings it back to us. And so a lot of my experiences over the years have had to do with that. So anyway, where I'm going with that story is, is that I finally saw that it isn't, <clears throat> it isn't my desire to shape the world because my desire to change the world or fix the world is still born out of some inner state that says there's something wrong with the world. And so what I'm sending out into the light is there's something wrong with the world, which doesn't help fix it. It's almost like all the effort and all the drive to change it doesn't fix it. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to get into a, a new state, which is one of spontaneous joy. Uh, very much like Dana was talking about earlier, where there's this high degree of self-acceptance of, I mean, I mean, in terms of spiritual practices for me these days, this is probably my number one spiritual practice is to wake up in the morning, put my hands on my heart and just say, hello, love. Good morning. <laughs> because I, I want to treat myself the way that I felt in heaven. And, and that's part of the unraveling of the knot is recognizing that the way that we're feeling right now, which is kind of like icky and, and you know, all these other different types of feelings that come up in the human condition, that's not part of heaven. Um, 
but but to be able to recognize it and look at it and say, wow, with, with the most loving acceptance we can, wow, this icky feeling, good morning. <laughs> and good morning to the person who's feeling that and just, I love you. And what is it we're going to experience today? What are we going to have that's fun and joyful? And then what I've discovered is from that space of joy, manifestations happen without effort. You don't have to try. Um, my best manifestations have been the ones that I have said laughing, like, yeah, right. And, and then those are the ones that show up an hour later and you're going, holy cow, how did that happen? And so when you're kind of talking about where we're going next, for me, it's play. I want to be in the state of that child. If you can imagine a child in heaven chasing a butterfly, I want to be in that state of the child who's chasing the butterfly, not after this life, but in this life. I want to, to live that bodily, to manifest that. And for me, play looks like meeting people like you. It's getting to know people like you in places around the world, um, listening to them. It's just sharing that exchange that happens when two people of like mind come into a similar space and, and then communicate. Um, I love that. And so it's about seeing and remembering the friends that I haven't met yet in this life. <laughs> and, and kind of where our, I guess our, our dreams collide together is I have a similar feeling, but I also have this practical tools and application. Yes. Like I want to teach people tools. I I'm over a decade in life coaching, hypnotherapy, Reiki. I love all of that. And I've been working with people all over the world for a decade. So I have all of these tools and understanding and, and ways to support people that I want to really bring to a platform to really share in a, in a big way. And so it's going to look like a YouTube channel. It's going to look like a podcast. It's going to look like online education. You know, those are some of the things that we're really starting to put our energy into to create this space and put in, you know, since I was a little girl, I have had dreams of leading, being a thought leader. I didn't know that that's what it was called, but I, I studied people that did things that changed the world. You know, many of the greats that helped with the underground railroad that, that sacrificed their life to free people, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, some of my most favorites that I just, my whole heart felt this connection with them. That's what I want to do in this way is let's start putting things out and information and, and these experiences um, like Brent's, like mine, uh, that can teach people. And the the best thing about, you know, the coaching and, and information that I get so excited about is this isn't just regurgitated information that I learned at a class. No, this is real life experience. When I teach, it's from a space of I have experienced this through these tools and here's some, here's some things that might help you try it out. This has been my experience with it. And so there's this passion and drive behind the tools and the practical application of just the simplicity of putting your hands on your heart and offering that love for oneself, like little tools and, and practical application of how to anchor those ideas into an experience for yourself those are the kinds of things that I get really excited about and things that we're working on 
for the inner world movement because it's the inner world. When we shift the inner world, like Brent said, and we're in a state of that joy and peace more often, and we're listening to our hearts and what they're calling for, the outer world cannot help but move to to what we're shaping it within here. So inner world, the movement is the inner world, we move those things and the outer world automatically shifts for us. And so helping people shift into those spaces and seeing what we can create, seeing what we can do and create in pure joy, you know, that that's where our worlds collide. And for me, that's playing fun too. I just like to bring it into tools and let's get some like, let's take people from here and let's, let's give them some tools to help them get to that space where they're the child, like chasing the butterfly, you know? So, so Dana is just more specific than I am in terms of describing what that play looks like. Yeah. Yes, that, that is play. <laughs> that's fine. Those are our, our, our sandwich dream. Yeah, well, that's it. We all have different things to offer, don't we? Yes. I, I love teaching. Um, years, years ago when I left psychiatric nursing and I was sitting in my um, general practitioner's office and she took my blood pressure and she said, it's very high. Have you thought about another career? I could see you as a teacher. And I thought, <laughs> oh, God, no. I mean, like teaching a standard curriculum at school would like be the death knell of me. But strangely, she did see the teacher in me because now I teach spiritual stuff and a lot of it is very metaphysical you know I'm teaching like specific esoteric like you go like this and you use this symbol and you can change that earth energy and but I am I am I am a teacher and it's like I was born to teach but I didn't know it because like growing up there was no Hogwarts for me to go to when I was <laughs> The universe created their own Hogwarts. Well, yes, I I mean, there there is like a wealth of stuff now, you know, so much. The world has really opened up and blossomed and people can find their own Hogwarts on Amazon, (laughs) you know, and and one that fits them, that's just right for them. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, but I, but I really, I really hear what you're saying. Um, there about the teaching and also it's not just the teaching it's about that depth of experience and knowledge that you have it's not enough for someone to teach something if it's just coming from up in the mind if they don't have all those layers then you don't you know and we learn unconsciously so much from people who have all those layers it's like wow (laughs) you know it's a different thing isn't it Yes. Yes. And you're doing that too. That's the beautiful thing. And I think one of the things I've loved most about getting to know you is, is your, what you're teaching is from your own experience. And I think that's, what's going to, to the, one of the most fulfilling parts about connecting with you is, oh, you're doing it too. Like you're in that space too, where the passion translates because you're having an experience with your spirituality that then translates to what you're teaching. And I, I just have to say, I have so much respect for your journey and where you've walked because it's, it's beautiful. And this has been such a great connection because of that. So thank you so much for your journey. You're welcome. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say so. (laughs) I mean it with my heart (laughs) because I know, I know the journey and I know, 
I can imagine it wasn't easy to break apart the boxes because that I, I, we know this, <laughs> we're aware of the, the pain of tearing that box apart and opening it up and, oh, it, it wasn't what we thought. And that whole journey is such a, it's an emotional yeah. Yeah, and there's so many boxes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So there's the book. People can come and read the book. I'm really looking forward to um, reading that now. So that's Bringing Heaven Home, Brent Satterfield. That's on Amazon. Where else can people find you? What ways can people connect with you? So as you mentioned, the book on Amazon, and that's available paperback and Kindle. We'll have an audio book out probably in the next few weeks. And then there's innerworldmovement.com. And that's where we're kind of building our, our more social platform to create the, the, the tools and the resources to help support the concepts that are in the book. And hopefully in the not so distant future, when, when the world starts opening back up again, we'll start doing some events because my favorite thing is to see people face to face. I love um, I love hugs. Yes. <laughs> and so just to be able to see people to, to look in their eyes, to connect with them really and truly, I, that's a big part of what I'm looking forward to, to doing here in the very near future. So innerworldmovement.com is where we can connect in that way. And, and it's a continual thing because we're in this creation mode right now there's going to be new stuff continually on there. So it's something to definitely look back to regularly over this next year. Plus it's just going to be a huge transformation. And uh, right now we do offer coaching. We have uh, individual coaching sessions that people can choose into if they want, you can check on there for our coaches. And um, those are ways to interact with us right now. Um, And soon we will have other, other videos and all kinds of fun things uh, coming out that people can get more experience with us. So watch this space. Yeah. Yes. It'll be a fun space to, to watch grow. Well, it's been really lovely talking to you today. I've just, I feel like I've learned so much. Oh, thank, thank you. you Rachel. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Really lovely. And, you know, hearing what you were saying about these times of COVID and all the rest of it, I really liked that too. So hurry up and, and get alive or something so you can talk because people need to hear. People, yes. they really need this right now. And, you know, whether no matter what side of it, either people are frightened so they're denying everything or they're frightened so they're worrying about everything. It's, it's, it is I mean, all right, you know, we keep connecting up to our centers and our spirituality, but even then it's just it's just really nice to hear you talking about it. And so yeah, we would really appreciate that. If you could do that as soon as possible. <laughs> we will take that. Well, and thank you for providing us with a forum to yes. have those conversations now, yes. even before there's face to face. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much, Rachel, for the work that you're doing. It's such, it's an honor to be a part of this journey with you. It's an honor to be on here. You know, everything you've done so far to help, to add your joy to the world. It, it does make a difference and it feels in this moment, like, oh, we're in this together. There's this feeling of, oh, you're, you're one of us. We're, we're, we're doing a similar thing. And that goes even, you know, beyond 
whether any podcast or any, any listener out there is affected by it, I have had a better day yes. because of this conversation. This yes. morning. So thank you, Rachel. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. And yeah, we are, we are in this together. Yeah. And we have to help each other and yeah. support each other as human beings. You know, this is, we came here to be human beings and, and, you yes. know, this is what it's about. And that love you can feel in your heart. It's just like, <gasps> Oh, that's made the whole day worthwhile, you know? Yes, yes. Ah. So worth being up well on a said. Monday morning here yep. in Utah. So. <laughs> Thank you for making Monday wonderful. Monday fun day. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I hope everyone listening has, like, had a really great time because we have. Yes. Yes, we have. <laughs> I hope you can feel all of our joy. Yeah. And all of the love, and that's that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Just pouring that out to every single person who who listens and to each other. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And we look forward to hearing from more, more from you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. So bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. bye.